0: On to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Juliana Gariser to the show. Juliana Gariser is the Launch Director at the new Greentown Labs in Houston. Juliana is an experienced global executive and general manager with demonstrated success working with entrepreneurs in angel investment, venture capital, and private equity across multiple industry sectors, including medtech, cleantech, fintech, and consumer and impact. Most recently, she served as the director of the Texas Medical Center Venture Fund, and prior to that, as the managing director of the Houston Angel Network. Juliana? Juliana? How are you doing today?
1: Well, I'm wonderful. Thank you, Raj, for having me. This is really bigger than us, so I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Thank you so much for being on, Juliana. Juliana, where in the world are you located?
1: I'm located in Houston, Texas. Um, I'm I'm thinking probably the epicenter of COVID right now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, I'm in Dallas, you're about five hours south from me, so I think we're both kind of going through the same thing. Each day watching these numbers rise and thinking to ourselves, "Mm, maybe not the right direction.
1: Definitely not, but hey, it's all about building resilience for sure and trying to do the right thing by staying at home.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. So, Juliana, I'd like to open my show by asking my guests the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself... What would it be?
1: So I really believe I'm a citizen of the world. I'm a real globetrotter. I was born and raised in Spain, but pretty soon uh, I was um, you know, with the, totally immersed in the French culture because I went to French school. I did my French high school and then a year in university. Then I moved to Singapore. I lived there for five years. And when I was there, I traveled all over the world Uh, with Citigroup, where I was a project manager for the International Credit Card Center. So I was in charge of Latin America first, then I started the migrations in Europe, and then I ended up in Japan. So um, after that, I moved to London to do my MBA in London Business School. Um moved to the French Riviera after that, and from the French Riviera, I started um, creating a lot of angel groups uh, a little bit all over the world in, in Chile, in uh, Cork, in Ireland, in Spain, in, in Bahrain. And uh, around nine years ago, I moved to Houston because my husband works for Shell and uh, started my U.S. adventure. Um, And from there, I've never stopped traveling all over the U.S. and, and Latin America. So I think I've done around 60 countries and I really love immersing myself in different cultures, being open to different religions, way of seeing things. I speak five languages. So that's really my passion, trying to get to know different perspectives about things.
0: So that really is interesting, and going off on a tangent for a moment here, how do you think this um, pandemic is gonna affect your travel going forward?
1: (laughs) Oh, well, now I travel with a mind, you know. (laughs) Uh, So it's, I mean, of course, traveling is is very much restricted right now. Uh, But luckily, this pandemic has also allowed me to travel to different places through through Zoom and means like this one. So I was asked a couple of months ago to present to a group of ladies in uh, Saudi Arabia, and I thought that was a, a real blessing and an opportunity that maybe I couldn't have had without COVID because now people are reaching out to everybody. Like, you know, everybody is more available. Everybody is free. So I was, I was really blessed to have opportunities to, to present, uh, you know, about my path and my career to, to women in Saudi and, and serve as inspiration. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm dreaming about traveling too. You know, yesterday I dreamt that I was in London and then in Brussels. So I guess it must be affecting my subconscious too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm looking forward to the day when VR gets good enough to where, I think they're already working on some uh, equipment where, you know, you can have the VR and you can be on a Zoom call at the same time. So you can actually experience being in that country while being on that call. So I'm really looking forward to that.
1: Definitely, that would be great.
0: So, you mentioned Houston, and I know and I want to congratulate Greentown Labs and the, the recent announcement regarding Houston. Can you share some background on Greentown Labs and tell people what it's all about?
1: Sure. So, Greentown Labs is the biggest clean tech incubator in North America. Uh, so, we are based out of Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, now we are doing our first ever expansion into Houston the energy capital in the world to um, be the catalyst in transforming uh, Houston into the um, uh, uh, transition energy transition capital of the world. So that's going to be really, really exciting. Um, It's been six months, we've been on stealth mode. And during that time, we've been making sure that we come into Houston with the right partners. So far, we have 11 founding partners, and pretty soon we're gonna announce a, a very big one. So uh, we are very glad to be coming into Houston with a building that is gonna be um, around 30,000 square feet. Two thirds of the building is gonna be about prototyping space. We have a lot of hardware and B2B companies trying to solve the biggest uh, clean tech problems and climate change problems in the world. And one third of that is also uh, labs. Uh, sorry, um, event space and also desk space. So really eager to make that happen. We are now trying to identify a building uh, in Houston, most probably it will be around the new innovation corridor that is being created between downtown and the Texas Medical Center. And uh, we're hopefully going to be uh, doing a grand opening around Q1 2021, most probably, hopefully around Sarah week in March. So that's, uh, that's very exciting for us.
0: And can you share the mission of Greentown Labs?
1: So the mission of Greentown Labs is to solve climate change by providing companies with the resources and lab space that they require to make it happen. So a lot of the companies we have uh, require uh, space for prototyping, they like machinery that if they had to purchase or rent on their own, it would be extremely expensive. So what we do is we make sure that we consolidate all those means that they need uh, to make it much more affordable and we are also having these sponsorships that are enabling us to make sure that our entrepreneurs get lower than market rates uh, to make so that they can use the, the money they raise uh, to to really make innovation and not to pay for extra stuff they need to to make it
0: happen so in my mind it sounds like a incubator or accelerator plus co-working but can you clarify and if, you know, if I'm on the right track or
1: yeah, so we are an incubator. That means in general we come after acceleration spa- uh, stage, you know. So many of the companies that we have in Boston and we will have in Houston come from, you know, Tech Stars, Mass Challenge, Y Combinator. And in Houston, we hope they will come also from, you know, Capital Factory, the IN that has a smart cities accelerator generator, and of course, a mass challenge also here in, in Houston. So um, normally they come when they have raised uh, series seed uh, after acceleration, they are about two people, they stay in average about two years, and uh, after that, they normally outgrow our premises, they leave when they have about 15 people, 10 to 15, and when they have raised the series A. Uh, But normally, they tend to stick around because uh, what they do is uh, in Greentown Labs, they do pilots, they do prototyping, they put together their supply chain. So once they outgrow our space, uh, they tend to stick around because all of that they have created uh, is very important to them. So we tend to generate a lot of density wherever we go.
0: Sounds wonderful. Now, I know you've only been with Greentown Labs for about six months. But I'm sure you've been, you know, in and around the organization a little longer than that. What are some of your, um, and I not mean, say favorite companies, some of the most interesting companies, or some of the most interesting technologies that you've seen in your time there?
1: Well, there's so many that you know I can't pick a, a one. It's it's been like crazy. Uh, you have Raptor Maps, uh, that is a company that also has an investor from Houston, Tim Cobra, who's in our advisory board here that has drones uh, to maintain any kind of solar panels um, you know with amazing technology we have a, a very famous one is bevy which has this um, um, water uh, carbonated water dispensers uh, with flavors that you know basically you don't re require bottles and uh, you save a lot of bottles when uh plastic bottles when you actually use bevy and they've been all over the u s really really successful. Uh, There's plenty of others that are great, Biobot being one of the most famous ones right now because they raised a Series A very successfully with Ampham, which is one of our partners also in Houston. They were tracking opioid use through wastewater, and now they have pivoted to track COVID-19. So it's extremely interesting to see how this company has adapted to new times. They basically analyze all water from sewer systems, and they detect traces of COVID waste. So this is the perfect way to track these kind of uh, diseases.
0: That really is amazing, and I it, is. It, too. it is It is. Mean.
1: <laughs> but what's what's really amazing is when you go to GreenTown Labs in Boston and you see the prototyping space and you see drones flying, you see two Teslas uh, that have been retrofitted, uh, you see fuel cells. Uh, we even have a, an airplane wing on them rooftop. So once you see that, you can really see innovation in action. And that's where, you know, when when we have our tours and you have VIP people from big companies coming and seeing what we're doing, they really get very excited and they want to be a part of it. So hopefully we'll have the same experience in Houston soon.
0: I hope so too. And you know, it sounds like an exciting place to be around. How did you get engaged with Greentown Labs?
1: Oh, it's pretty funny, you know. You never know how things happen. It's uh, uh, Life is uh, is funny that way. Uh, so I met uh, one of the board members, Jason Etier, uh who was one of the initial founding members of Meantile Labs in Boston, uh, through my work at the Houston Angel Network. I was running the Houston Angel Network. When he came to pitch, he got money from us, and I also helped him get some more money through other networks. And uh, we became kind of friends. And uh, quite a few years after, um, when I had finished with my work at the Texas Medical Center Venture Fund, he reached out to me for, for what I thought was coffee. So I came with my kids because that day was raining a lot in Houston and a school was canceled. And uh, suddenly he asked me, uh, said like, you know, I think you would be the perfect person to lead Greentown Labs in Houston. And I was like, "What are you talking about? Is this an interview?" <laughs> so that's how it happened. And um, you know, uh, of course, at the beginning, I haven't, I hadn't even thought about applying because I come more from the early stage investment world. So uh, I did a little bit of incubation in the French Riviera before I moved. But it was um, mostly I've dedicated my life to angel investing. So. When Jason told me that we needed to select a building and put it up to code and lab space and all that, I was like, this is totally out of my comfort zone. But uh, the uh, Greentown Lab CEO, Emily Reichert, told me "Like, not to worry about that. We will get someone else to take care of the building. And funnily enough, we then hired Jason uh, to be our operation lead and and take care of the building, which, of course, he knew a lot of since he was part of the initial team that brought Greentown Labs to live
0: in Boston. So that's a pretty amazing story. It is. And, you know, you never know when you're speaking to someone who or where that's going to end up. So that's the beauty
1: of it. You never know who's going to give you an opportunity. So I always say to myself, you need to be nice to everybody. Because you, you never know uh, karma, how, how it works. And it's funny that Jason recruited both Emily and he told me how he had to uh, make sure that Greentown Labs had um, toilets for women because she was the first lady to come in. And when when he recruited her and then he recruited me and then we both recruited him. So it, it is all like full circle.
0: So, I, you know, you mentioned women and... Obviously, GreenTown Labs now has you know women leadership in Boston and in Houston. Tell me some of your thoughts around you know the conversation right now around diversity and what you see going forward. You know, perhaps in the tech industry or even in climate change.
1: So um, you know, I've been a, a huge diversity champion. Uh, you know, apart from my work at GreenTown Labs, I'm a, one of the lead investors of the portfolio Rising America Fund. It's a fund uh, that is basically investing black and brown founders and LGBTQ founders or companies that are addressing those markets. Then I'm also the president of a new business angel network called Bama, which means the Business Angel Minority Association. So investing in diversity and making sure that we bridge the gender and the diversity gap in investing is very, very dear to my heart. It's very funny because I spent the first half of my career trying to feeding into a man's world of investing in early stage investing. And then I realized that what I wanted to do is uh, once I was in, I wanted to change it. So um, you know that's why I, I became part of these funds. And uh, now with Greentown Labs, uh, Emily was uh, really very eager for me to uh, start implementing some of the things we've done Uh, within Greentown Labs and we've created a working group in terms of diversity and inclusion I'm a part of. So we're gonna be uh, implementing quite a few initiatives to make sure we reduce bias and we have more black and brown uh, founders in Greentown Labs. So those are very dear to my heart and I'm very excited to be able to mix both of my passions, which are climate change and, and diversity.
0: So two things you said I want to pull out from the conversation there. You said earlier in your career, you try to fit in. Yes. And I have this thesis, you know, I'm kind of playing with it in my mind that during the year corporations have this bring your pet to work day, bring your child to work day. And I'm looking forward to the day where you can truly bring yourself to work because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> because I, I feel like so many of us, you know, I'm a person of color too. And mm-hmm. I feel like so many of us have tried during our professional lives to fit in. And so, you know, we, comp- we compartmentalize our lives so totally. I may show up as just a sliver of my true self mm-hmm. and, you know, leave so much of me behind. And I think both myself and the organization that I'm working with lose out on that. Because Adorable. you mentioned, you know, the diverse opinions and, you know, rather than trying to fit in, if we can just show up with our entire selves from the beginning, from the interview process, from not pretending who we want to be, that both us and the organization will benefit out of the gate. So I really appreciate you saying that and sharing that. You touched on bias there briefly. Can you, you know, share a little bit more about that bias?
1: Well, you know, um, it's it's very funny because you think because you're a diversity advocate and a champion, uh, you're a little free of bias. But with all the events that have been happening the past months, I'm, I'm part of this Kaufman Fellows program, which is a a leadership in VC program all over the world and you know when i got into that program the first thing i thought is like well i'm going to learn a lot about vc and and it's going to be great and and then i didn't realize that most of the program was actually about emotional fitness and being a true leader and changing the world you know and uh, so the kaufman fellows program has put a series of trainings out there about bias and racism uh, after all the events that occurred in the past months. And those were really eye-opening to me, you know, because I thought I had studied a lot about bias, you know, and the fact that, um, you know, it's really pervasive in the investment world and how um, investing in diversity pays. uh, The fact that, you know, investors who invest in diverse groups are really Um, you know, getting 35% more ROI. So it's not only about doing the right thing, it's also about a business case, a financial case in investing in diversity. Um, But still, uh, you know, uh, I think realizing that bias is much more pervasive and that everybody, even though the people think they are pretty out there and they're very cognizant of, of you know, um, different races and different point of view. Uh, it's pretty amazing to see when you check studies that, you know, still biases is there and it can affect everybody. So we had a, a great webinar with Dr. Livingstone who showed us recent studies and, and some studies in, in how people behaved um, not only when they were faced with a situation that you know had a time constraint and uh, you know how different people really uh, um, are uh, I would say reacting in different ways depending on the circumstances and when the circumstances are not clear and the time is a constraint so you need to take a decision in a very split second that's when bias hits, you know? So there was a, a very specific theme where, um, you know, a few subjects were thinking that we were going for a study and they had to change buildings. And um, when they had to change building and they had a time constraint because, you know, they had to um, tra- like travel through almost the whole campus uh, to another building to do the second part of the study. And they had a person of color who had fallen and had all her stuff Uh, over the floor and how quite a few people, because there was this time constraint, they decided not to stop to help that person. And uh, of course, when the time constraint was not there, a lot of more people stopped. But, you know, um, a lot of bias and a lot of racism and, and many behaviors that people have happen when, you know, things are not clear And when you only have a split second to decide whether should I help this person, should I say something, or should I let this injustice prevail? So uh, it's not black and white. That's what I wanted to say with all this rambling that I'm doing.
0: No, no, it's it's really good, and I think it's really interesting right now. Um, you know, I talk to my daughters quite often regarding the trolley problem with AI and some of the decisions that are going to be, have to be made going forward. Yeah, you know, once we look once we look at autonomous vehicles, and to your point, if a vehicle has to make a decision in a split second or you know, a small amount of time, what are the overt and covert biases that have been programmed into the algorithm and the, totally. and the data behind, the learning data that the algorithm was based on and the machine? You know, it's, it's so complicated.
1: And I think that with AI now, philosophy is going to be key, you know, uh, who would have told us that, you know, to be able to um, make decisions uh, with AI, um, we would need philosophy to figure it out. And I was watching this series that I don't know if you watched, but when you talk about AV and decision making uh, about, you know, um overriding, you know, uh, the safety for the passenger or deciding between the safety of the, uh, pedestrian, you know, things like that are pretty powerful. And that's one of the things that in the series upload, that is, a um, a series that, you know, it's, uh, um, um, uh, basically they're talking about the future of a person who has an AV accident because of that. And he's, brain is uploaded into a virtual reality place and what happens. It's pretty interesting. And and that was one of the key themes of uh, why the accident happened in the AV because, you know, the, the choice was to to override passenger safety.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned philosopher, and I think it was Plato that said that the best kind of leaders or kings are the philosopher kings. Definitely. So I, appreci- I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> so switching gears a little bit, you know you mentioned climate change and you know obviously advocating for for women. the crux of our conversation is the why behind what you do. you know, it sounds like you had so many options on the table. you ran you know angel funds. this opportunity presented itself to you. so why what drives you to you know stay along with these mission minded um, ventures?
1: so I think I already touched a little bit about it. I think the first part of my career was about proving myself, and uh, I always was passionate. Uh, when I went to London Business School, I knew that I did it because I was tired of banking big corporations. I wanted to have more of an impact, and over there, I gravitated towards the entrepreneurship major and finance. I went to Silicon Valley, and that was it. I was like, I want to work in entrepreneurship and innovation. So. Uh, When I got into the angel world, I was so excited. And then, you know, I really think that my two aha moments in my career is when I think I got what I wanted to do and I got it and I was not happy with it. And that's when I realized that something was inherently wrong in my decision-making process. So uh, the first of it was when I got my job at Citigroup in Singapore was a very coveted job i was really young and i was a lot of having a lot of responsibility so you know on paper everything looked great and still i was not happy so um um, it happened again uh, once i stepped out of the houston angel network and i went to the texas medical center venture fund in paper everything was great i was running a big fund that's what i wanted to do but then Something was missing, you know, so I realized that uh, I don't have to take decisions with my ego and what I think is the right path for success, uh, maybe for other people, but I needed to look uh, more deeper and realize what my real passions are. And uh, my real passions, as I mentioned, are diversity and uh, inclusion and climate change, fighting all these things that are destroying our planet. So uh, I realized that, you know, from now on, either I create my own job or I will work for people who are as passionate as I am in terms of the mission and the commitment to, to things like climate change.
0: So that is really beautiful. And it sounds like you took some serious moments or time to do some introspection. Can you speak perhaps tactically, to what you did to go through those introspective periods?
1: Well, you know, um, so I think there's there's two important things about about that. Um, You know, uh, twice in my career, I've decided to leave a job, you know, and uh, I think first you have to come to terms with that you know and there's a grieving process <laughs> to it you know because you leave jobs that are very coveted and uh, that people want to have and you are like in one case i had a plan b to do an mba and find myself uh, so that's the period i took 2 years to figure out what i really wanted to do and 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 be passionate about uh, but when, when I left the Houston Angel Network, I did it without a plan B. And I did it because, uh, um, you know, there was um, the values were no longer matching mine. you know, they, they were uh, allowing bias, they were allowing bullying. And I was like, no, this is no longer the place I want to represent. So in that case, uh, it's the first time I had to step up and um, take responsibility. Say so like, okay, you know, you've been promoting diversity with portfolio and the Rising America Fund and other funds. And and now suddenly you are faced with a situation where yourself, um, you know, have to step up and do something about it. So uh, I think it was uh, very eye-opening for me when I said like, well, now you are at a situation where you need to do something about it or otherwise uh, you've been preaching and not you know uh, putting your money where your mouth is so uh, leaving things with a plan without a plan b was something that i've never done in my life i've always very carefully planned my career uh, but i was uh, it was also the most refreshing time you know to be vocal about why you were living a situation. I think was a huge agent for change for that network that had to change because of that, and also for me, it was like okay, you know, you are coming from a job you really liked, and you were really passionate about that was kind of your baby, and suddenly you're out of job and you've you know sacrificed uh, your salary uh, to an ideal. So what's next, you know, because uh, I was talking to the Kaufman Fellows um, coach, and she was like, next thing you do needs to be very powerful and very telling of what you mean and and what you want to do with your life. So uh, luckily, I I took about four months off till, you know, to to do this introspection. Um, I went to Spain, I was with my family. And, you know, I did a lot of Soul searching meditation uh, and trying to figure out what you know really spoke to to me and to my intuition more than what looked good on paper. And uh, sometimes you really need to trust your gut feelings. So now I'm, I'm trying to you know, get out of the noise of what people might say. Um, when I introspect, I don't talk too much about my options uh, either so that I don't get any kind of uh, bias or other people's impressions that might not be mine. And um, from there, I, I took the decisions and, um, and I'm very happy with, with the decision so far.
0: Juliana, I so appreciate you sharing that. Switching gears a little bit, you know, you've been with Greentown six months now, Stealth Mode. What have you learned in these six months?
1: Wow. Uh, so I've learned about uh, how culture is so important. Our CEO, Emily Riker, she's she's, I think mean, it's very funny because she also went through a couple of um, experiences in her career where, you know, um, she was at nice places to work for, but the culture was not a fit. So she said to herself, not anymore. Uh, this time I'm going to be my own boss and I'm going to create the culture I want to see in the world. And let me tell you, she's done an amazing job and she's created a culture that is just incredible. We start almost every day with conference calls that are about wins and appreciations and having that thankfulness, um, you know, when you work, and appreciating your colleagues all the time. I mean, every single person of the 30 that are in the team are amazing human beings, you know, so it's a blessing to be able to work with uh, such a talented group of people who are really wanting to change the world and are actually changing the world. So, uh, culture has been extremely important for me, and um, the fact that we've been able to um, go through COVID together and how resilient and how resourcefulness the team has been and how we were able to, so far we only are two employees in Houston and the rest is in Boston, but uh, COVID has been the silver lining because we've been able to really connect with the team in Boston, do many more things together, learn faster and better. And actually now we are no longer waiting for a building to be open in Houston to be able to have a virtual membership for our Houston company. So there's, there's always good in everything.
0: Sounds like a beautiful place to work. It so is. Mag- magic wand, what's next? What does the future hold for Greentown Labs? Let's say five years from now in Houston, what do you imagine?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh, so, you know, the Boston experience for Greentown has been so amazing. You know, if you hear uh, Major Kututon of, of Somerville speak about how a catalyst Greentown Labs has been for the city of Somerville and how the city has changed, uh, I can only see that this is going to be bigger and better in Houston because we're going to learn from the nine years in in Boston and also because we have amazing founding partners that have a lot of means to make great things happen. So uh, in five years, I think we're going to already expand in Houston. I can only see that happening because our building is like the first iteration we had in Boston, and then we expanded in Boston to a bigger building. So hopefully in five years, we will be able to expand in Houston too, and, uh, you know, um, we were talking about buildings with um, the, the office of judge, judge Hidalgo here and thinking about maybe the county judge can give us some buildings uh, or at least let, let us some buildings for uh, to see exactly what's going to happen uh, when we expand. And they said, like, well, you know, we have a building. It's the Astrodome. So I don't know if you heard about the Astrodome, but the Astrodome was a wonder. <laughs> So, the Astronom was one of the seven wonders, um, you know, in, in the list of the modern wonders of, of the world, and is the first covered dome. Uh, so, it's very, I mean, it's a symbol for Houston. And uh, now it's totally abandoned, and uh, there's uh, a lot of discussions always about uh, what to do with it, because, of course, nobody wants to tear it down. But also, keeping it, uh, uh, you know, um, up is is actually very costly for 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 the county, uh, Harris County. So they said like, well, we have this this building, and uh, we thought like, well, maybe we are very 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 successful. We will take over the Astrodome at some point, and we will make sure the dome and everything is state of the art technology for clean tech with solar panels and I don't know an inside jungle something that would be pretty amazing. So that's that's the vision, bold vision for what could happen in Houston in five years.
0: I love that vision. I look forward to seeing the Greentown Labs dome. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so Emily, um, our CEO, always uh, laughs about that story, but I said like, hey, crazier things have happened. So you really need to think big. So that's that's the vision.
0: I agree, I agree. So last question I have for you. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be?
1: So I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, problems and gaps in entrepreneurship and bias and lack of capital in some areas, um, bubbles in some others. Um, But I think, you know, being an entrepreneur at the end of the day is about being resilient and about, I really believe, taking matter into your own hands. So, um, you know, in Houston, there's a lot of talk about there's not enough VC um, compared to the other costs like East Coast, West Coast, you know. Well, let's not wait for any body in the VC world to rescue us and come as a knight in shining armor from Silicon Valley. You know, let's let's create our own funds. And uh, if there's not enough funds for women and minorities out there, let's make it happen. So I think. What I wanted to finish with is that there's not a small impact. Everybody with their own budgets, with their own capabilities is capable of great impact. So we never should feel that we are powerless. You know, there's always a way to step up, do the right thing and inspire others by doing the right thing. So those are my final pearls of wisdom.
0: So appreciate it. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Is there anything I should have asked you or explored that I did not?
1: I think I love everything you asked me. Um, not really, I guess, um, what's next for Greentown? Um, well, uh, let me tell you something. I know that Houston is not going to be, uh, the last expansion. So I'm very eager to see what, <laughs> <laughs> what's going to happen uh, part, there. We'll yeah.
0: have a part two. Absolutely.
1: We'll to. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much, Juliana, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon.
1: Thank you, Raj. It's been a pleasure.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening. And if you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And if you want to show your support, please share our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media. where You'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.